Welcome to the Mystic Skeptic Radio Show and Podcast, the program in which we ask the tough questions and explore different alternatives to today's pressing issues, theories, or enigmas. Our show is devoted to the exploration of all things mystical, philosophical, scientific, political, conspiratorial, and cosmic. Join us in an exploration of the Mystic Skeptic MySpace. Welcome to the Mystic and the Skeptic. On today's show, we will be featuring my presentation at the 40th Annual Genealogical Conference in Dallas. And before we start, I would like to share an article that I found. It was originally printed in the Atlantic. Following this excerpt where they try to dispel the myth of the crypto-Jew, the article uh, disputes the idea of a crypto-Jewish past in New Mexico. It's called Mistaken Identity, the Case of New Mexico's Hidden Jews. The tagline is, Imagine descendants of Jews pursued by the Spanish Inquisition still tending the dying embers of their faith among peasant Latinos in the American Southwest. The story has obvious resonance. It has garnered considerable publicity. The truth of the matter may turn out to be vastly different and nearly as improbable. It's written by Barbara Ferry and Debbie Nathan on the December 2000 issue of The Atlantic. The telling has become almost stylized through repetition. In the mid-1980s, a number of people with Spanish surnames began stealing into an office in Santa Fe, peering over their shoulders, shutting the door behind them, and whispering that their neighbors were engaging in strange customs that were decidedly out of place in the region's overwhelmingly Catholic culture. Soon those reports would lead to proud testimonials from Southwesterns of Iberian descent, claiming kingship with Jewish victims of the Inquisition in Spain and Portugal, and not just genetic descent. Some of these people would say that, that though outwardly they were raised as Christians, their parents, grandparents, or great-grandparents were secretly observant Jews. Such stories are now so common in the Southwest that almost everyone takes them at face value. Others, though, have visited traditional Jewish congregations like what they saw and undergone full conversions complete with immersion in the mikvavat and even circumcision. One, a Latino retiree named Frank Longoria, underwent the conversion, writes at Beth Shalom, a synagogue in Dallas suburbs. Longoria's wife and children are also converted, and now his grandchildren have had a bar mitzvah. At a time when half of the country Ashkenazim are marrying non-Jews and drifting from their historic roots, Longoria and other Latinos may represent a small movement in another direction, exotic and unexpected though it might be. Their path perhaps will turn out to be a northern version of the Venta Prieta story. For years, Mexico City's Jews wanted nothing to do with those poor, dark-skinned Protestant villagers who mistakenly called themselves Sephardim. In the 1960s, though, the Venta Prietrans met a rabbi from the capital who agreed to perform conversions. With the help of visiting teenagers from a temple in Pennsylvania, the Venta Prietans rehabilitated their primitive synagogue and started studying Hebrew. Their children traveled to Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. Some fell in love with Israelis and married. Today, the Venta Prietans are official. They have cast their lot with contemporary Judaism. Has it all been a mistake? Historically, perhaps, but faith, of course, is always about more than history. Religions are built on collective wishes and hopes, and with Southwestern crypto-Judaism, these wishes and hopes may, in the end, prevail. This is one of the most condescending articles I ever read, and I cannot read you the whole version because it's really long. I tried to record it, but it's just too long. And it's just, for people to speak of Latinos in, in such a ignorant way, it's just baffling. But this is the kind of odds that we're facing as Descendants of crypto Jews trying to overcome people's uh, ignorance and stupidity. So, again, my show is not about insulting people or attacking them, but when they attack members of your community, 
you have to say something. So again, um, here is my presentation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you. The school I went to is very diverse. There's um, people from all different backgrounds. Uh, I know there's people from the Mormon community here. We have a student there who's Mormon, and he's he's studying. He's getting a doctorate in Jewish studies, and we uh, we kind of we met and we, we became friends because uh, he was doing some research on anti-Semitism in America, and he says that there's not that much anti-Semitism in America. I guess until now, um, so. Part of, of what we do when I say building bridges of, of understanding between different communities is that um, sometimes people have a lot of assumptions about what a Jew is or what a Catholic or any group is. And unless we interact and get to know each other and understand and, and love each other, that we can really see things through the other person's perspective. So if I say anything that is offensive, just know that I'm, I'm trying to look at it from a historical perspective. But I do have a bias because... Um, my friend, Ms. Apolaka, just asked me, so are you a crypto Jew? And I'm like, I'm not a crypto Jew, I'm not a secret Jew, I'm an out-of-the-closet Jew. <laughs> because I'm, I'm blessed to live in America where you can be open. And I was telling her that my friend, uh, David Hernandez, he says that in Mexico, where he lives now, he has so much freedom and everybody loves him for being Jewish, and I think he's out of his mind. Because Mexico, my experience in Mexico was very negative, and especially when it comes down to other religious groups that are not Catholic, they're considered heretics or lunatics. Or, so if, in his mind, he thinks everybody loves him as a Jew, maybe he has a good personality or something and gets away with it. But uh, my experience, even with, I'm first-generation uh, Mexican-American or, or migrant from Mexico, uh, even among people who, who have arrived from Mexico, they still have a lot of misconceptions about Jews. And a lot of people say, well, the first thing you do when you come as an immigrant to America, find yourself a Jew lawyer, so then you can become a citizen and stuff like that. So at least that's a positive thing that Jews help people out, but they might use that against us also. So, um, so we start the, the presentation um, with this PowerPoint. Um, this image in the PowerPoint is Gustav Dorr. He used to be one of my favorite artists. You see him doing a lot of illustrations of the Bible and things like that. But he took this image, I don't know what he was, uh, who told him to, to do this image or what was behind the, the depiction. But this is uh, the mythological Jew. It's, in Spanish, it's uh, Judío Errante. And there's even a song that says, you know, I don't want to be like an errant Jew or a mistaken Jew. And the, the, the errant Jew or the, what is called is the wandering Jew in, in European culture is that uh, Jews have been punished for not believing in Jesus, and they wander the earth uh, being kicked out of different places and being poor and, and mistreated, and that that's what they get. And it's kind of like a prophetic thing from a Christian perspective that uh, if you don't accept Christ, especially being Jewish, because he came to his people first and they rejected him, that you just deserve to be kicked out, you deserve to be mistreated, and that that's... It's like God ordained for us to be in that situation. Um, so it's disturbing to me because uh, I went online and I looked up this term, the, the Judío Errante, and somebody said, oh, of course, uh, the Cain, you know, Cain was punished for killing Abel. He was the, the wandering Jew of the Old Testament. So now it's like even biblical 
for Jews to be the wandering uh, person who is punished or uh, hated by the world because we killed Jesus like Cain killed Abel. And, and that's just part of Christian theology. I know that there's different types of Christian theology and there's more modern perspectives, but this is ingrained in the European and uh, the tradition that people are being taught still today. So you can take something and then you can interpret it to support your case. So if people think that Jews need to get saved or get right with God, this image helps that. And, uh, and then it justifies prejudice. But later, we're going to get to a point where even in Jewish perspectives, there's ways that, that crypto-Jews or Jews from Spain can also be seen as um, mistaken or whatever suffering they have experienced, they are blamed for it and that they deserve it as well. So uh, I just found out about um, that there's now new synagogues in Spain. So, you know, when, when we got kicked out of Spain, uh, they either converted them into churches or they took them over. Or they turned into a house or burned them down. So I found this image of this very mystical place in Morocco that has a synagogue. And to me, it's kind of like seeing how it could have looked like in the times of the expulsion. Because the Moroccans, a lot of them fled uh, there were Jews from Spain that fled there, even during the, the Muslim conquest, and they were able to thrive on their Islam, but then when the Spanish took over, the Catholic Spanish took over, then both Muslims and Jews were seen as criminals. So there's still some traces of Judaism in Morocco, and, uh, and it has that Spanish flavor from the Sephardic experience. So uh, I don't know if, if you... Uh, if you know much about the history of Jews in Spain, maybe that's where I need to start. So there's a, a thousand years before that, there was a thriving Jewish community. And even though the Visigoths and other groups had discrimination against Jews, they were able to survive and thrive. And so when people, we were talking about how people assume that if you are Eastern European Jewish, you are truly Jewish. But if you are from anywhere else in the world, you're not really a Jew. And the young man I was talking to, someone even told him, well, you're one of those Middle Eastern Jews. And it's and by an Eastern European Jew. And it's ridiculous that someone from Northern Europe would say that Middle Eastern Jews are different or less than when Abraham was from Babylon and uh, all the patriarchs were from Canaan, all these places in the Middle East. So now there's a sense... And, and when people say, well, uh, Eastern European Jews might be a little discriminatory or they look down on Jews from other places... They got it from the people they were hanging out with, who were the Germans, the Russians, all those guys. So they don't get scot-free. If Jews end up using their same tactics, tactics, even in America, you hear people being racist, it's because they got it from somebody else who has had a longer history of being racist, even against those Jews, and then the Jews want to fit in, and they're like, well, I'm going to be racist like them, and discriminate other people. So that's really complicated. But uh, we go to the expulsion decree. Uh, I had never heard it called this as the Al Alhambra decree. Is that the town or this, the where the edict came from? And um, it's really long and and um, and there's a lot of sec sections to it. But I want to focus on on how they talk about Jews and and nuevos cristianos who are the converted Jews. So they they felt that people needed to get right with Jesus before. If the, if the kingdom was going to be Catholic, and it was going to be the body of Christ, Corpus Christi, everybody needed to, to, to become Catholic. 
So they send uh, missionaries to synagogues, and they would stop everything and, and share their, their perspective. And they would have debates, and they would have all these conflicts. But then it came to a point where even though a bunch of people were forcibly converted, there were still some Jews who weren't um, part of that, that Christian kingdom. And they're like, we're done with, with, with them influencing our new converts. So the new converts were called conversos. And here they call them wicked Christians because of what interaction they're having. So you know well, or ought to know, that whereas we have been informed that these in our kingdom, there were some wicked Christians who Judaized and apostatized from our holy Catholic faith. So what are they doing that, that is calling them Judaizers and apostates? They are reverting back to the religion that they originally were from. But to a Catholic, to deny uh, Catholicism, you are a heretic. And, and one of the heresies is Judaizing. Uh, and this even comes all the way from the New Testament. And then an apostate is someone who denies the power of the, of the Catholic faith or the magisterium and the, the Pope. The great cause of which was interaction between Jews and Christians. So then the Jews are a bad influence on these new Christians. So we commanded that they be given Jewish quarters. That's when they put them in the ghettos or in the juderias. And separated places that, where they should live. Hoping that by a separation situation would remedy itself. Furthermore, we procured, gave orders for the Inquisition should be made in our aforementioned kingdoms, kinships and lordships, which you know are, has for the last 12 years they've been around. So, the, so they're like, how are we going to... If the people are going back to their grandparents and their friends and asking them to help them as Catholics to still practice Judaism in hiding, how are we going to get rid of this? So it's kind of like the final solution from Hitler. It's like we put them in the ghettos and then we keep pressuring them and we send the Inquisitors to... Hunt down everybody who's still, who's still practicing Judaism, and that's not working. So then they come up with this decree where we're just going to ex- expose them, we're going to kick them out. And they say that what people are doing that is so problematic is that they are circumcising their kids, they're reading prayer books, they're doing the fast, like we have young people coming up, um, and they read and teach the history of, of the Torah, uh, they do the festivals. So it pretty much tells you what they're doing. So if any scholar says that it's all made up, that they're just being accused of being crypto-Jews, how is it that they know exactly what a Jew does? And they know it so well that they are able to, to pinpoint it and catch them. And they're observing, they're slaughtering their animals ritually, and they refrain from eating certain things, and they're observing the, the law of Moses. Uh, so they're... And they're being convinced the law of Moses has some, some physic, uh, efficacy. So, so they're, they're mad. Like, how is it that we converted them and they're still acting as Jews? And there was a lot of decrees, even from the Pope itself, that you can't force Christianity on others. And it's the same with the Muslims when, when they were forcing people. But the people didn't care. They're like, we're, it's all going to wash out at the end. If we get them saved or baptized right now, they'll be okay. And then we, every, the whole kingdom will be Catholic. So then it comes to a point where they, well, as we analyze the expulsion, uh, the conversos are accused of Judaizing, the Jewish community is accused of supporting their efforts, which leads a lot of them away from Christian teaching. So the situation is considered an affront to Christianity, showing that the sacraments did not transform the sinful nature of the conversos. So again, I don't mean to offend anybody, but if you think that the baptismal waters are, are have... Um, uh, spiritual power, this is proving that wrong. 
So then it it becomes like we need to hunt down these infidels. So in the view of uh, the crown, it was undermining um, the Catholic faith, and as they were reverting back to Judaism and using Jewish guys and advisors to keep practicing Judaism. So again, if it was made up, if it was something that uh, that just because they had Jewish ancestry, people were being discriminated. At this point, there was ongoing uh, contraband and and uh, some type of hidden Judaism in the midst of Catholicism, and that was really uh, bothering them. And when I say contraband, is like they had Jewish books, and there's even in the in the archives of the, of the Inquisition in, in Mexico City, they have found Jewish books and copies of the Talmud that were being sent from Amsterdam that the people were hiding. So, uh, so there's a lot of evidence for people that think this is just made up. Uh, as we keep analyzing the decree, we see that uh, the Inquisition only had a jurisdiction over converted Jews, uh, and then they were coming after Jews and Muslims as the enemy anyway. So legally, they could only come after their own people, but Jews and Muslims were a bad influence. And then uh, the Jewish community was in, in the way of the Spanish kingdom. This thing I already talked about the, the, the body of Christ. So, so what happens is that when you start mistreating somebody, it's like if the way that the Hispanics are treated in America, if you keep poking at them, then they're going to fight back. So when they would start torturing someone and say, oh, well, uh, you believe this crazy religion and, and, and all Jews are dead and blind and all this stuff, then the, the crypto-Jews or the conversos would lash back and they would say horrible things about the Catholic Church or the New Testament or Jesus. And then they're like, ha, I knew that you were um, a heretic. So, but it's like you're torturing someone, so what do you expect? So that's so they're denigrating Judaism, and then the the converts started denigrating Jesus and the Christian saints, and uh, but the crypto Jews knew more about both religions than the Catholics. So sometimes you're you know it's like a friend can hurt you more than an enemy. So they knew enough to to get themselves in trouble, um, and then but there's there's always caveats. So there's this concept of the Santa Hermandad, where even though they're like okay we're done with the Jews we need to get them out of here. They gave them time to leave the country peacefully. So it wasn't like in other parts of Europe where they would just start killing everybody. Uh, they were putting the sword at someone to convert, but once some groups didn't convert, or they, some Jewish groups were actually like, you know what, you can keep the conversos, leave us alone. We'll even wrap them out for you, so you leave us alone. So there's always that where just to survive, people do a lot of difficult things. So. Uh, so even though they tried to separate them, it didn't work. And then you end up with uh, banishing the Jews and, and giving them protection as they leave. And we know that they went to Portugal for a little bit, and then the king over there felt pressure to kick them out too. So uh, what this leads me to is like, I had a, a, a professor who said, when you think about Christians and Jews, don't think about who believes in Jesus and who doesn't. Think about... What is their theological perspective on Jews? So in Christianity, traditional Christianity, this idea that Judaism was there for a reason and for a time, and then with the revelation of Jesus, it is done. The old covenant is done away with, and now there's a new covenant. So the Jews have served their purpose, and now they're not the chosen people anymore, or they're not 
considered to be um, part of, of the plan. And then in, in Judaism, the Jewish people are the chosen people of God, and they have a, a relationship with God that is ongoing. So depending on your perspective of the Jews is where you stand regarding crypto-Jews as well. If you think that Judaism is an old religion that denies Christ, you're going to come after people who think that. And if you think that the Jews are still important, then you're going to support them. So each group comes from a different perspective on um, why do the Jews matter. So for modern audiences, when you think about conversos marranos or crypto-Jews, you got to think of them... Uh, if you think of them as Jews to begin with, you have to think, like, what kind of perspective do you have? Jews in general, are they the, descend, the, the ancestors of Jesus? Because a lot of people see it as, like, the Jews are the people of the Old Testament. Are they the enemies of Jesus? Like you see in this uh, second painting where Jesus is debating them at the temple as a child. Or are they the demonic children of Satan who are out to get Jesus and all his followers? So depending on your perspective is how you're going to treat the Jews and the crypto-Jews. But in medieval times, there was a lot of uh, very spiritualized and theological anti-Semitism where even if the people converted, even if the people had a relationship with fellow uh, religion, religious people, like Christians and Jews would, would talk or debate, now there was a sense of that they were in league with, with Satan and they needed to be exterminated. So there's been many different views throughout the years, but this was the prevalent view. The one of them being monstrous and and in in a path of destruction away from the from the kingdom of Christ. So some people felt that even if they converted, even if they they were baptized Catholic, there was still something wrong with them, and they were still causing destruction uh, in their path. So we go to you know I have to define what conversions are, so so we get to. To the point of this presentation, but I have to dispel a few myths. There are more myths about crypto Jews, but the first one is uh, somewhere I found where it said that the Inquisition forced Jews to become Christians. The Inquisition did not force Jews to become Christians because that had already happened. The Inquisition hunted down people who are converted and were not living up to their promise to be a good Christian. And then, what is a converso? A converted Jew who publicly recanted the Jewish faith and adopted Christianity under the pressure of the there is a Spanish Inquisition, but under the pressure of, of the Catholic community, and then the Spanish Inquisition was created to deal with the conversion problem. So even the the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition is incorrect. Um, and then you know, converso is just the common term. So the term used in the expulsion is with Christians. Because they were seen as an apostate, someone who who refuses to continue, follow, or obey or recognize the Catholic faith, or a heretic, a person who differs in opinion from the established religious doctrine. So we were talking about this. People say, "Well, I'm a Catholic, but I don't go to church." Well, if you don't go to church, you're not a Catholic because you're not partaking in sacraments. You're not supporting uh, the kingdom of God. So you so they are outside of God's grace. So if people were doing that because they were forced on, then suddenly they're heretics. And if they're telling people, don't go to church or keep kosher or whatever, then they, they're, they're creating more problems. So according to the uh, Valician Edict of Grace, you're guilty if you have believed, thought, or said you believe something against the Catholic faith, or if you know anyone who has blasphemed. 
So now even knowing somebody who has said something negative about the Virgin or of Jesus or the Catholic Church or God from a Christian perspective, you are guilty of being a, a heretic. Um, and then in the next one, a lot of people say, well, they're just bad Catholics. They're not Jews. They stopped being Jews the moment that they accepted Jesus. Okay, well, the Inquisition officials referred to the converts who were originally Jews as Cristianos Nuevos, Hebreos, Judíos Observantes de Ley de Mosé, Conversos, Confesos, or Marranos. And there's been a lot of stuff about the Marrano, uh, uh, insult of being a Marrano. But uh, according to uh, my friend David Ramirez, uh, when the Jew accepts baptism, whether voluntary or involuntary, he, she is no longer a Jew, according to Christian legal thought. The Anus is the Jewish uh, version of, of a converso. Uh, when they dare to practice Jewish law, and they're denying the cardinal premise of Christianity, and they're a first-rate heretic. And this is, we're going to get to this because I, th- I find that really interesting. Um, so where does this idea that if someone keeps the law of Moses, they're a heretic? Jesus was a Jew, Paul was a Jew, John the Baptist was a Jew. So why would someone being Jewish is problematic? Well, he tried to quote in, in the notes right here, it says uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 1 and 9. Uh, he actually says, um, I think it's mistaken, he says uh, 9, 10, 13. But I think he was trying to talk about 1 Corinthians 1, 17, where it says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. So now baptism and faith in Jesus are so intertwined. So the moment you baptize someone, they are accepting and partaking of the kingdom of Christ. So Paul's whole baptism is essential to come into Christ and into his death. And he wrote about that in Romans and Galatians. Uh, in Romans he says, Don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus? Unto his death, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And in Galatians 3.27, he says, For all you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves in Christ. So, okay, so a good Christian would say, Okay, well, these people are members of our community. We need to help them. We need to guide them and bring them to the light. Well, that is great, but St. Augustine... Uh, that is quoted there in Patriologia Latina in one of the sermons, he uses Roman tactics to keep people within the fold. He says that it's okay to attack people, to torture them, to bring them down to their knees, because now we're looking at it from a militant stance. It's not only that the the Christians are being uh, unfaithful to God, they're actually, uh, they're kind of like criminals within the kingdom. So how do you treat someone in a legal sense when they are causing trouble? You you break them down and you uh, re- revitalize them or like uh, bring them to to a sense of shame. So then they would come back. So he says that it's okay to torture. It's okay to come after them. And he's been uh, 385. Uh, his teachings were used by the Bishop of Avila and other people around the Visigoth Empire and the different emperors that uh, now, since they're in charge, now it's okay to uh, to come after people in that way. So, uh, and, and you dismiss the clergy from having blood on their hands because they're doing the work of God. So, so now, like some people say, well, 
don't say that the Jews were pacifists because Jews during the, the time of King David or the time of Joshua, they fought and they captured people and they did whatever. So now they saw the kingdom of God as that. Like the teaching of Jesus was very pacifistic, but since now they're part of the, the Byzantine Empire or the new Roman Empire, now all those can be brought back in. So whoever denies the Catholic Church, they can be uh, put in, in locked up, they can be tortured, they can, Whatever it takes to get rid of, of the blemish on the Holy Catholic Church. So, uh, and their tactics, uh, they had this book, uh, Victorium Inquisitorium. It was a manual uh, on Judaism created by Catholic scholars. So again, some people say it was an accusation that they were Jewish. But they knew exactly what Jews did. And when they caught you red-handed, they knew how to get you. And they said, well, when you torture someone, they're going to tell you all these things. That doesn't mean they're true. But you also have to understand that if people are practicing Judaism in, in, in a situation where they can get killed for it, they're going to be proud of what they did. Now that they've been caught, maybe they weren't proud out, outspokenly or like in front of everybody. They were doing it in hiding, they got caught. Now they're going to say, yeah, I was doing that. So a lot of the Jews, they would uh, fight back and, uh, and be uh, conflict, in conflict with them. And then they would gather that information and build up the book it's like, oh, there's more stuff that we didn't even think about. Because if you go through the Bible, the Jews keep certain things that are in the Bible and the Torah, but the Jews also keep the oral law from the rabbis. So there's other traditions that maybe Catholics weren't familiar with, so they start adding those to the list. And then uh, there was uh, there's another book called Regimento um, de uh, Inquisidor, where they're given uh, detailed minutes on, on the system of how to torture people and stuff like that. So... Uh, so going back to, so what is the accusation against crypto-Jews? The accusation is Judaizing heresy. And crypto-Jews were not sincere Catholics, and the persecution was not part of inter-Christian conflict. It was under the excuse of the purification of the church that persecution took place, and, and there was rivalry. There was, so in this book, Encyclopedia of Heresies and Heretics, they're trying to say that there was a lot of other stuff going on. It wasn't just... Uh, an attack on Judaism. There was ethnic issues. There was classes. There was money involved, and but there's a militant desire to eradicate heresy uh, and to to teach the forcibly baptized Jews uh, that they couldn't do what they're doing. And then the demonization of the Jewish people was really the problem. So it's just like the Jews are always bothering us, always causing problems. And conversion, although conversion was irre- irrevocable, or um, Unspongeable, like you couldn't get rid of it. There was this idea that if they were reverting back to Judaism, they were um, they deserved the death penalty for their heresy. So now you cannot only torture them and capture them and get a confession out of them. Now it's like, well, these people are never going to change, so we just need to get rid of them. And I know that this is a lot to take, but a lot of this stuff was kind of like what gave Hitler ideas. And but he, his was a political thing. If you didn't agree with him, you're a Jew. And then, if, even if you're not a Jew, you're with them because the Jews are, are so, socialists and communists and the Jews are always against us. And then, well, what are we going to do? We're going to put them in a camp. And then we're going to use them and then after that, get rid of them because if not, they're always going to come and bother us. So it's this idea that there comes to a point where you just got to completely annihilate them so then you don't have to worry about them anymore. Uh, so, but there's this idea, it's like... Uh, there are many scholars that say that conversos were not crypto-Jews, that they were Catholic, who were falsely accused of practicing Judaism, 
due to their lineage. But to understand the persecution of crypto-Jews in Spain and New World, we must look at the anti-Jewish antagonism which led to the creation of the Inquisition. The book Antisemitism, A History Portrayed, summarizes the plight of the Anosim. Again, the Anosim is uh, the forced ones or the violated ones in Hebrew. Uh, quote, in the history of the church's struggle against the Jewish religion and its followers, we can distinguish two phases. In the first phase, the leading thinkers of the church believed the Jew could be cleansed of the taint of the murdering God through baptism. From the second half of the 15th century, there were important theologians in Spain who seriously doubted whether baptism would have this effect. They believed that the Jew remained responsible for his people's sin. Even if he was baptized, they viewed the Jews baptized uh, or not as corrupt people, their criminal behavior corresponding to their nature. They even believed that ex-Jews or Catholic uh, conversos smelled like sulfur because they were in league with the devil. So, so limpieza de sangre was like, we need to cleanse the blood, we need to get rid of these people who are troublemakers. Um, and so when people say, well, okay, whatever, they, they got killed by the Inquisition, they were criminals, whatever. But now you have people who never got caught by the Inquisition, they never got in trouble, but people see them as weird. Like, all those people are from the new Christians, and they smell weird, and they... They're troublemakers. So now there's this um, discrimination and ongoing slander against anybody who had a Jewish background. So in Mexico, you hear that. If someone says, well, hey, I found out that there's some Jewish history, whatever. Ah, whatever. That was back then. And and what? how does that benefit you? You know the Jews are crazy anyway. So that's the kind of stuff you hear. And I don't know. I don't know people have had different experiences, but that's the kind of stuff that I've heard. Uh, so now we go to the Jewish side of the, the issue because every religious group has very um, strong perspectives on everything. So when you meet someone who's like, oh, I don't care, you believe whatever you want, that's like a new thing. Being a hippie is a new thing. Back in the day, it was like the Muslim uh, world as it is right now. Like people were like very serious and very adamant, and if you don't do what they say, they come after you. Now, this kind of uh, liberty where people can believe and do whatever they want, that's a new thing. So the Jewish community uh, has terms for, for heretics and apostates as well. They call a, a heretic a, a mushamadin, that's a plural, uh, anusim, or the forced converts to another religion, or people who have been violated. A minim is a sectarian or a heretic. So you have uh, Maimonides, who's one of the Jewish scholars from the 11th century. He says the following... Five are the ones who are called mini. Those are A, the ones that say there is no God and there's no one driving the world. B, those who say that there is someone driving the world, but, but instead of one is two. So we'll get to that in a minute. Those who say there's only one Lord, but that he has a body and an image. Uh, also, we're going to talk about that. And the ones that say that it's not only first and creator, that he's not the first and the creator of all. And D, those who serve another God besides him, so to be an intermediary between himself and God. Each one of these five is a min. So um, people ask, well, what if you are a crypto Jew and you're practicing Judaism, but you, still, but you believe in Jesus? Well, there's people like that nowadays that call Jews for Jesus or Messianic Jews, and they're considered not only uh, minim or heretics, they're considered idolaters. Because according to traditional Jews, if you believe that God has a, a body, then you are actually um, completely outside of, of what Judaism has taught. 
But as scholars, we know that there was Jews from all kinds of different perspectives in the second, uh, first and second century. But but since there's been a, again, if you're attacking one group, all that that group is going to do is become more entrenched and more uh, close. So now they've made it where anybody that even mentions anything uh, Christian is considered a heretic on the Jewish side. Uh, so we're running out of time. Um, I don't know if you guys mind. I'm going to go a little bit over to have less questions because there's a lot of stuff to cover. So uh, Shulamit Halevi, I don't know if you heard about her. She did a lot of great research. She says the Hebrew appellation on the seam is more general and applies to Jews who adopt another religion under duress and their descendants who continue to belong to another faith, whether or not they maintain a Jewish tradition. In particular, it applies to those in a very new Christians who were converted not out of conviction. So that's between 1391 and 1497. So she's saying that in, in most Jewish sources, even if it's been a couple of generations or more, they're still considered unseen because they started off as being forced. So we say, oh, well, they stopped being Jewish. Well, that's a misconception. But there are some people in the Jewish community that say that. Um, one of the exceptions of people that support that idea is Elijah Mizrahi, uh, who in 1778 said, the Anusim, even many generations until the end of time, they, were, they are considered Jews. Uh, and the children of the Anusim, or Anusas, uh, they're born on the condition of Abu Dasarat, is considered foreign service against his or her will, providing the mothers an Israelite. So there's another response uh, that David Ramirez quotes, where they, they say, well, if their mom is, is Jewish, then we'll accept them. But how can you prove that she's Jewish if all the records were burned and the people were persecuted and they changed their names? So it's very complicated. So the case for bringing them back to Judaism is called a return of Teshuvah, and it's the idea of readmitting people in the community. And Joseph Caro, who's a great Jewish scholar, says that there should be a way to bring them back because... But he feels that only if they fled during the persecution. So they made it a litmus test that if you're in Spain and you're practicing Judaism in, in secret, you need to get out of there as soon as you can so then you can practice Judaism again. So a lot of Anusim went to Amsterdam and since that was an open place, they were able to do a return. Or some of them didn't do anything. They just started praying and building synagogues and there was nobody to, to uh, police them because they knew the situation. So now there's more stuff about them. Um, they have the lineage. They're still part of our brethren. They're the house of Jacob. And even though a Jew sins, he's still a Jew. So these are the, the very open rabbis who understand the situation. There's others who say, whatever. Um, you know, they're gone. So the second myth is the conversos fled Spain at the first chance they got. According to one of our professors, Dr. Petrovsky, he says that uh, it depends. Not everybody felt pressure. Some people were finally were able to uh, go to school and do certain things because now they were considered Catholics. Others felt like they needed to get out. Uh, and then the migration. So some people say, well, how do you know that where you're from, you have Jewish ancestry? Well, you have to go where they went. And uh, we'll skip this, this one, but uh, there's other slides about migration where if you see uh, how people ended up in Amsterdam, uh, there was a lot of conversions that came with conquistadors and people like that, but the ones that ended up in Amsterdam, they came down to Brazil, and then they were the founders of the original synagogues in America. So in Philadelphia, New York, you have people who were originally crypto Jews from Spain or Portugal, they ended up in Amsterdam, Brazil, and then they came up here. So when people say, oh, I never heard of this crypto Jewish thing, it's ridiculous. I say, well, the founders of Judaism in America were 
uh, from that background. This is a, a, a group, mostly the same family that I, I know in Houston. They call themselves um, the Noahides, Breslev Noahides of Houston. Breslev is a Hasidic group who, who believes that at the end of time, there's all the nations are going to come and be part of, of the kingdom, and that, they, that you have to teach the nations or non-Jews about Torah and stuff like that. Well, a lot of them have crypto-Jewish ancestry, but they've been told by the Breslev rabbis that after three or four generations, you're done, that you have to convert. And they make it very difficult for people to come back to Judaism because you, you have to convert a certain way, you have to move to the Jewish community, you have to enroll your kids in, in, in Jewish school. So there's all these things in the way. Some of us know that a lot of it has to do with racial issues. But, um, but it's interesting because uh, my friend who's from Guatemala, and he knows the town that he was from, the locals used to call them Ladinos. And they want nothing to do with them, the local uh, Mayan community. He sent me a copy of this book, and I was sharing it with Shelly and Ms. Apodaca, and it's just ridiculous from a, from a traditional Jewish perspective that, that they can say this. Um, because if, if you have people that you don't really want around or you feel that they, they were uh, heretics or they gave up or they didn't do what you're supposed to, you can theologize uh, what happened. After 500 years, Hashem has made just historic justice that the descendants of Nassim are returning to our faith. If they find out about the Jewish religion and keep on insisting, even though they're humiliated for the communities and the more obstacles they pass, the more tikkun they're doing. So he quotes a Midrash, it's a Jewish uh, mystical text, that says that Spanish Jews are descendants of Judah and that uh, Eastern European Jews or Ashkenazim are descendants of Benjamin. So Judah uh, threw his brother Joseph in the, in the pit and then sold him to the Egyptian traders. And Benjamin wasn't there because he was a kid. So he said, now we as, as modern Jews are paying for whatever happened. And this, the Spanish, the Anusim, or the descendants of Spanish Portuguese, they are being mistreated for what they did to Joseph. So if, a, so if, a, if a, someone finds out they have a Jewish background and they go to the Jewish community and say, I want to return, and they say no, and they kick you out and say, you're just a crazy Mexican who thinks he's Jewish, that's okay, because that's what we get from Mr. Uh, Joseph. Like, they found a theological uh, response to why there's discrimination against Latino Jews. And I just find that horrible. People that are not familiar with Judaism, they feel, well, why go through all this trouble? Why be dismissed by one group or the other? Why... Um, feel rejected, why go through all these things, and then there are some Jewish groups that say, well, either that's the punishment for giving up on Judaism, or that's just the way it is. Every community has its rules, and it has its, and the more you fight for it, the more you're actually a real Jew, or someone who's, who, who wants it, because if you gave up, that meant that you didn't really want it to begin with. But I feel sometimes they purposely like to torture people. Uh, so, and then they say, well, our ancestors were willing to die instead of getting converted to Catholicism. Look at the Jews in, in the Netherlands and all these places that they, they committed suicide and killed their children instead of being uh, baptized. Well, there's a law in, in the Talmud that says that you should never kill yourself, even at, at the point of being forced to become a pagan or any other religion, because it's, it's, uh, it's against uh, being made in the image of God. So the same people that say that the northern European Jews were more brave than the conversos, 
uh, if you push them, they say suicide is forbidden, and that you do what you can to not be in that situation. So now, that's where other legal scholars say that we have permission to kind of comply and not end up, uh, and, and they exaggerate, not everybody did that, very few people did that. Uh, another thing that I found that is kind of ridiculous is the anti-Myrano conspiracies. Uh, even Susanna Heschel, that I talk a lot, a lot about her, she was giving a presentation and she's like, so this guy was in, in uh, France and there was all these Moranos everywhere and they were working against him. And so Morano again, is a negative term for crypto Jews or, or Jews uh, who were converted. But now even Jews are using the term Morano to anybody they don't like. So, so this guy says that Hitler came to power because of the Moranos. And, it, and he goes back all the way to the 16th century where there was a false messiah who had a lot of uh, ex-crypto-Jewish uh, followers and then they supported uh, stuff. So, so we have a lot of odds from both sides. Uh, I know we're running out of time, but so the whole point of, of my presentation was uh, that there are different perspectives from scholars. At this point in the presentation, I showed pictures of four different people who are famous in Latin American or, I guess, Spanish history. The first one was Maria Teresa of Avila. She was a nun who's, um, who's considered a saint. The second one was Miguel Hidalgo y Costilla. He was the criollo or uh, Spanish descendant who led uh, independence against the Spaniards with the help of the mestizo and indigenous population. He was a priest, and he was killed by the Spanish um, after he started the independence. The third one was Baruch Espinosa, or Benedicto Espinosa, who was uh, a philosopher who brought about the Enlightenment. He was, um, his ancestors were um, crypto-Jews, and then when he went to Amsterdam, he reclaimed his heritage, but then he got in conflict with the religious authorities and he was considered a heretic for questioning the existence of the God of the Bible. And then the last one, Luis de Carvajal y Cueva, el mozo, he was the one martyr of the crypto-Jewish community of Monterey, Mexico, who is accepted uh, widely as a Jew because he survived much persecution and he died uh, still holding to the faith of his ancestors. Quick question for everybody. Maria Teresa of Avila. Crypto Jew or not crypto Jew? Miguel Hidalgo y Costilla. Crypto Jew or not crypto Jew? Baruch Espinosa. Crypto Jew or not crypto Jew? And then uh, Luis de Carvajal y Cueva. Crypto Jew or not crypto Jew? Well, it's a trick question, and, and she kept on saying everybody's a crypto Jew. Actually, if you're going to be technical, because people say, oh, we're calling everybody a crypto Jew. This lady was a sincere Catholic. She loved Jesus, and she was happy being a Catholic. So she's technically not really a crypto Jew. Her grandfather was a crypto Jew, was killed by the Inquisition. Uh, he was just nuts. He carried a, a Quran around. He taught, he taught Hinduism to his students at, at the Catholic Theological Seminary. And then he had like five different wives and children out of wedlock. But he had crypto-Jewish background. His ancestors were Jewish. This guy was nuts too. He went against the Amsterdam community, told them that God didn't really exist, or not their God, and, and he got uh, kicked out of the Jewish community. And then this guy, he, his family hadn't been Jewish for 200 years, 
And no one's ever questioned him being Jewish because he circumcised himself and he learned the Torah on his own and he was preaching Judaism in jail until he was killed. So, so when everyone says, oh, well, you're not Jewish, the proof is in the pudding. It's how you live your life, how do you, how do you present yourself and what you do. So, any questions? This is a passage from uh, Deuteronomy that is used sometimes against crypto Jews, sometimes for it. And they say that God forgets, uh, like if you're bad, you'll be punished until the, the third or fourth generation. But if you're good, you'll be rewarded for a thousand generations. So we can only hope that we're going to be on the good side of that. So. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with another episode of The Mystic and the Skeptic. We would like to thank Radio Free Nashville for their technical guidance and assistance. Please visit us on Facebook or Buzzsprout where you can find our previous shows and an archive of all of our programs. We're also available on mysticandskeptic.wordpress.com for more information or email us at mysticandskeptic at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, or requests for topics to be featured on our show.